and welcome to this Endo Live Season 3, Episode 24. I'm Jessica Duffin and this podcast is all about bringing you guests who are helping others to live and thrive with endometriosis. So um, before we get started, as many of you know, I've recently moved to Margate. Um, it is really sunny. I don't know if you can hear the seagulls right now. Um, it is beautiful, um, but it's been quite an upheaval with lots going on for both of us and unfortunately really noisy neighbours. Um, so this episode is late because um, I've struggled to work out how to record the podcast um, and keep it the high like a high level of quality in terms of sound. So um, I am in our new kitchen at the moment and our new place is Georgian so the ceilings are also really high so um it might be a little bit echoey um we got a second bedroom so that I could have a podcast room but um <laughs> I don't think that's gonna happen but anyway it will be worked out so um I just wanted to apologize for the lateness and also apologize if this sounds a little bit echoey for you um we're gonna try and edit it and make sure it sounds as good as possible but it might take us a while to adjust and work out how we are going to do it um so yeah I mean just a bit of a personal update really um it has been like a really emotional like week or 10 days I I actually can't even think how long we've been in we've been in here eight days um so yeah the old the old flat and it was time to move on from the old flat um, and time to seek new adventure and um, a new way of life. But it was painful for us to let go. Um, and we've just got back from London, um, tidying up the old flat, ready for the new tenants. Um, the old place really helped me through some of my worst times, um, kept me safe and made me feel held um, on really long nights in pain and um, many days filled with depression. Um, it was a haven and one that comforted me over and over again. So whilst it was time to leave, it has been quite a tearful time. Um, and I'm really excited for the life that we are going to build in Margate um, and the experiences that are coming our way. But um, it's really interesting. I mean, I knew it was going to be painful and now I'm in this position of learning how to mourn for a house, which I've been in before many, many years ago with my grandparents' house, but I've never mourned for one that I've actually lived in. So, um, yeah, it, it's really interesting. Um, but Margate has been super sunny. The sea in Margate is just always, always blue, always blue, um, really shallow, so it's clear too. Um, and our flat is gorgeous. So I'm actually thinking about trying to hold some endo circles here. So I'm going to see what the possibility is of that. Um, so yeah, I really look forward to sharing that adventure with you, but, um, I just kind of want to give you a heads up on how the podcast might sound over the next few weeks. And also, um, yeah, that's kind of why I haven't been sending newsletters and, um, being on Instagram much in the past few or posting on the site in the past um I guess the past week or so because we've been packing and then unpacking and going back to London and things so 
yeah so that's me um and I also want to give a shout out to our podcast sponsors so thank you um as always to Jane Braxton and Kelly Marie who are supporting the podcast through donating on Patreon um by supporting the Sendo Life through Patreon you guys help keep the show going we are coming to an end of season three very soon um, and I want to move into making season four, but in order to do that, I really need your help. Um, the making the show, running the site, etc., it does cost quite a lot of um, money and time. So, and these services, um, these resources are free. So it would be amazing if you could even donate like one pound, anything that you can to um, help me cover these costs and, and keep the show going and move into season four. If you are interested and can offer a little bit um, on Patreon, you can just head over to my page, which is www.patreon.com forward slash this endo life. I really cannot thank you enough for listening and supporting the show. And I really appreciate it if you can... Um, you know, support the show financially as well. Finally, this episode and this end of life intro music was edited and produced by the podcast, the pod farm, <laughs> podcast editing services for new and established podcasts. Visit thepodfarm.com to find out more about the services and how they can help you grow your podcast from just an idea to a polished and successful show. So let's get on to today's episode. Today I'm talking to Britt from Food Period they're a startup company which, in my opinion, is revolutionary and I'm so excited about it. I can really see these guys changing the period game. Food Period make nutritious moon bites. Um, so they're natural energy balls which contain specific seeds that are used in a um, nutrition protocol called seed sinking. And that helps balance our hormones and create easier, healthier periods. As I've probably mentioned to you guys before, endometriosis is um, thought to be an estrogen-dominant disease and seed sinking helps reduce estrogen and bring our hormones back into balance. Jen and Britt's story um, of starting Food Period is pretty jaw-dropping um, and it kind of all stems from Britt's diagnosis of um, blood cancer, which is called Hodg Hodgkin's lymphoma um, and she's thankfully recovered from that now. Um, but as a result, Jen and Britt go on a journey together to bring their, or went on a journey together, to bring their periods and hormones back into balance. And they're now on a mission to provide others with a natural option to regulate their periods and reduce the impact of menstrual-related conditions like endometriosis or even just, you know, reduce PMS. If you're keen to try out um, their seed sinking moon bites, the lovely girls at Food Period are offering $15 off your first box for the next 30 days with the code ThisEndoLife, and that's all in capitals and one word. Um, to access the discount, you need to use a link in my show notes. Um, so you can go to my website and click on podcast and find this episode, or just click on um, more or notes in your podcast app. It will look a little bit different depending on which app you're using, but you usually just have to expand the episode. Um, I really hope you enjoy them and I can't wait to get started with seed sinking myself. I'm doing another protocol at the moment so um, I'm waiting to finish with that and then I'm going to get started with seed sinking and I just can't wait, especially after talking to Britt. 
Um, so if you do start, I would love to hear how you get on because I'm looking forward to starting, but I think some of you may begin before I do. Um, so yeah, I talked to Britt about her journey and Jen's journey to um, naturally uh, balancing their hormones and periods and how food period evolved, what seed sinking is, um, how all these different seeds work for our um, periods and hormone health and finally get to the bottom of flax and estrogen, which has drove me nuts for a long time because there's so much there's like so much different information about that on the internet. So Brit kind of um, gives us a lowdown on flax. So that's cool. Um, and how seed sinking, how you can do seed sinking at home and how it can help with endometriosis. So yeah, I really hope you get lots out of this um, episode. I thought it was just fascinating. And I will speak to you in two weeks. Cool. So um your story, I obviously don't want to give too much um, away, yours and Jen's story um, are really pivotal to the beginnings of food period. So do you want to talk to us about um, your experiences and how that led you to, um, yeah, to be motivated to start the business? So two and a half years ago, I was actually diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a type of blood cancer. And I was diagnosed completely out of the blue. I was a healthy 25-year-old working in Vancouver in Canada. I, you know, had played volleyball in college. And all of a sudden, um, I had this diagnosis. And I went through six months of chemotherapy, which was terrible. But I made it through. And during that time, I stopped getting my period entirely. And I had been pretty interested in doing natural things to support my health throughout the chemotherapy, but there's so many unknowns. Um, some doctors say, you know, just eat whatever you can, whatever you can, or, um, you know, are suggesting even things like you don't want to have too much vitamin C because, you know, it could work against the chemotherapy. I know it's very interesting. And and the natural health world and the oncology world um, kind of don't work that well together when someone's going through cancer, unless you get an amazing doctor and then um, who has experience in both. It's not that my doctors weren't amazing. It's just they didn't have experience um, on the natural health side. And so I finished treatment, still hadn't got my period back. And I went to my oncologist, my GP, and I said, what can I do? Like, I really want to like help my body to recover. What can I do? And the only option they had for me was to go on the birth control pill. So it wasn't that my doctors weren't, you know, great doctors. They were, of course, it's just, they didn't have experience on the natural health mm. side. And so uh, I, I kind of went to them at the end of my treatment when I still hadn't gotten my period back. And I said, what can I do? I was really eager to support my health in any way I could. And the only option that they had for me was to go on the birth control pill. And I remember sitting in the office of my oncologist and my jaw honestly dropped. And I said, that cannot be the only option. Yeah. And he said, he said, we're sorry, Britt, we just don't really have any other tools. And I walked out of the office. I knew at that point there was no way I wanted to go back on the birth control pill because I had had polycystic ovarian syndrome. Right. Okay. Previously, 
And so I'd been told also to go on the birth control pill, like throughout my, uh, throughout my life. I think I went on it for the first time when I was in grade seven, when I first got my period. How old is grade seven in the U.S.? I think you're about 12. Oh, wow. Yeah, 12. Gosh, that's so young to go on it. Yeah. So young. But it's because my first period was 21 days long and they just didn't know what to do. Um, Wow, 21 days. Jeez. Yeah. So period issues have always been a part of my life. And I think after going through something like cancer, I just was was so (sighs) passionate about doing something about it that wasn't a pharmaceutical and wasn't synthetic and was a natural solution. And so I, you know, hearing this, this prescription um, of birth control, then again, from my oncologist just kind of spurred me on. And I started really digging into the research. I visited dozens of integrative health practitioners, naturopaths, nutritionists, acupuncturists, everyone that I could find just to try to understand what, what tools they were using with their patients. And I started hearing about the natural um, functional nutrition practice of seed sinking. It's often called seed cycling as well. The two are interchangeable. Right. Yeah, I think I've heard that. Yeah. And so um, I started hearing about it and I met this functional nutritionist in particular who had done a lot of work with cancer patients um, around using seed sinking. And so she got me on it. She said, Britt, it's not an overnight fix. It's going to take, uh, you know, three months of following this protocol religiously. And she said, but I have seen it work for people who have been in your situation. And so, you know, just hearing that it worked for anyone else, I jumped on it and I, you know, she had suggested just throwing the seeds, um, in my smoothie every day or something like that. But I started making energy bites with them. And so I followed the protocol for three months and honestly, like clockwork, my period returned and I no longer have any of the, yeah, I I no longer have any of the PCOS related symptoms that I used to experience. It's just been such a game changer for me. And what were your PCOS um, symptoms just out of curiosity? Yeah. So I had a lot of um, hormonal acne. That was one. Mm -hmm. Um, I had quite heavy uh, periods. It was, you know, a few days of the month where I'd be scared to leave the house. A lot of blood clotting, um, weight gain, um, nothing crazy, but just like it seemed like anything I ate, I would, you know, gain a few pounds from it. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And also I feel like the mental health aspect, which I know you talk a lot about, um, was definitely part of those symptoms as well. Like a feeling of just, um, I don't know, like helplessness and frustration, especially around my period. And so, yeah, that's kind of what I was experiencing before. And then I, so I finished treatment, did this whole protocol, my period came back and a couple months later I moved to New York. So I had always known that I wanted to live in New York and going through an experience like I did, I was just kind of like, I need to do it. I need to just go. Yeah. (laughs) And so um, I found a master's program here and I I came to New York and I followed the protocol for the first couple months. And then 
I just got busy and I stopped following it. Everything was great. It's fun when you're feeling better, you stop, you forget to do all the things that I know I do that so often. It's <laughs> so annoying. I know exactly. You're like, why? I know better than this. Um, and so I stopped, like, I just stopped making the energy bites and stopped the thinking protocol. And within a couple of months of doing that, I stopped getting my period again. And I was racking my brain thinking like, what am I doing differently? Like, I was like, I eat really healthy. I make sure to exercise. You know, I, I, I was trying to figure out what was different and it just clicked. And I was like, oh my gosh, I stopped doing that. And so I kind of took it as an opportunity to like really run an experiment and test the validity of, of the protocol. And I, I didn't change anything else in my diet or in my lifestyle. And I just started seed sinking again. And within two months, my period came back again. And it's like the exact same like experience. I have no PCOS related symptoms. It's just like, it's honestly seems like an incredible magical protocol um it does it sounds amazing like this is such an inspiring story oh thank you yeah it's been like it's really been a whirlwind and it's been so exciting to to talk to other women who have used the protocol and have had similar experiences we work a lot with different naturopaths and nutritionists now and like they've used it not only for themselves because they wanted to test it, test it before um, recommending it to their patients. But I mean, they have dozens and dozens of success stories of it under their belts, which is incredible as well. So yeah, that's kind of what birthed food period. And then my co-founder um, is my best friend from high school, actually. And her and I always want, knew we wanted to do something together. And around the time when I had done the protocol the second time, I realized that if I could have, you know, purchased this at a health food store or ordered these energy bites online, I definitely would have because it would have saved me the time. It would have been much more convenient. And so I called her up. She was working, her name's Jen. She was working in South Korea at the time. She's um, in uh, design and branding. That's her background. And I told her the idea um, of what would become later food period. And she just said to me um, one sentence. She goes, when should I quit my job? (laughs) (laughs) And within, within two months, she was on a plane to New York. And we've been working on food period now since August. So about 10 months. And we've just been working on it nonstop. Um making sure we developed the product really early on. Um, We started selling about six months ago and it's just been an incredible, an incredible journey. So, so exciting. And what's Jen's story? Because she had issues with her period as well. Am I right thinking that? Yeah. So she, she had kind of always irregular periods growing up and doctors had often told her, you know, the birth control pill is the right, the right solution. She grew up in um, on the west coast of Canada as well, but her background is Korean, and her mom, you know, was very traditional. didn't didn't want her to use any Western pharmaceuticals, and so she, her mom always said, "No, no, no. We'll go see, you know, a Chinese herbalist, or we'll go try different types of medicine." And so she never actually went on the birth control pill because she had that 
Korean influence. And especially when she started working after college, she started getting really bad hormonal acne um, and just, yeah, was kind of left with no other solution um, than some of the Chinese medicines because she was still living in, in the U.S. and her parents were back in Korea. And so she had always been looking for something natural, but that, that wasn't so much effort, like a lot of the ways that you prepare, um, you know, traditional Chinese medicine. And so for her, she was so excited to try seed sinking too, because she was still suffering with this irregularity and with the acne. And she's had really similar results. It's completely cleared up her acne. She knows when she gets getting her period every month. And so I think between the two of us, we've we've kind of ticked off a lot of the symptoms that most women or some women struggle with. Mm. So I know that there are so many listeners and I'm also kind of on the edge of my seat, um, kind of because I'm forced by the small space that I'm sitting in, but because I'm so interested in this, because I really want to try it now. Um, and I've heard about seed sinking kind of like on the grapevine, but really mainly from you guys. So I'm sure there are a lot of women like so keen to find out what this actually is. So can we like dive into what seed sinking? Yeah. Like what is it? Where does it originate from? Um, and how what's the theory behind how that works with the menstrual cycle? Yeah, for sure. So um, so seed sinking, it's very interesting because actually the use of seeds to support women's hormonal health really dates back to traditional Chinese medicine. Not This is kind of like the Western derivative of that, um, but seed thinking is the Western derivative of that. But, but its roots are really um, ancient, and, and in particular the use of sesame, um, sesame seeds, but so seed sinking uses four different types of seeds. It uses pumpkin seeds, flax seeds, sunflower seeds, and sesame seeds. And women eat these seeds in specific quantities and combinations depending on which phase of the menstrual cycle they're in. So the menstrual cycle actually has two phases. The first is the follicular phase and the second is the luteal phase. And the follicular phase begins from the first day of your period for the next 14 days. And so women eat pumpkin seeds and flax seeds daily during this phase. And then it switches to luteal phase, the luteal phase at ovulation. Mm-hmm. And then for the next 14 days, women eat sunflower seeds and sesame seeds daily. And so each seed has a micronutrient or chemical compound that is actually incredibly well researched uh, in its effects and efficacy with relation to the female endocrine system. And so, for example, uh, flax seed contains the hull of the seed contains something called lignans. And when it's broken down in the body and in the gut, it produces estrogen blockers. And so it helps the body to modulate its production and elimination of estrogen better. And pumpkin seeds, they have, they're a wonderful source of zinc, which is really important uh, in women's menstrual cycles. It's a building block of progesterone. Then we get, and so during the first phase, this follicular phase, when you take these two seeds, it's when you have a spike in estrogen and progesterone is slowly building up for its peak in the second phase. And then in the second phase, 
um, you know, the sesame seeds have a similar compound, lignin compound in their hull, which works similarly in the body. And it also promotes um, the better absorption and bioavailability of vitamin E, which is a compound in sunflower seeds, as well as selenium, which is in sunflower seeds, which helps with um, liver detoxification, which is how mm. our body gets rid of excess hormones. So that's like the very sciencey bit about it. Um, mm. But I think that's so important, though, to have that sciencey bit because it's so easy to dismiss this stuff as like woo woo, like <laughs> bit hippie. Exactly. That's like probably the number one question we get from people that that aren't, um, you know, really integrated into the uh, integrative wellness and health mm. space so I guess it's really real and you know the great thing is is that if you you know dig into those databases of scientific journals you can find you can find journal articles on each of these individual seeds and how and how they've been studied and how they are shown to work with the female body and that's just so exciting to us and we really want to, you know, as a food period, we really want to be able to add to the literature in that space. I know we're planning in the next year to hopefully run a small clinical trial, not because we need to, to sell, um, in the U S like the regulatory requirements are quite lax on things that fall the supplements category, which is actually really shocking as it is, but, um, but we just want to contribute to this space and promote more more studies around women's health alternatives because the fact that the birth control pill really is the only option for a lot of women who are suffering from period related problems like that shouldn't be the case but the reason it is is because these other solutions just aren't studied enough mm. and also i think you know they're not studied enough and they've got a really str- there's a stigma around them that they're not that they're just a little bit out there totally and I think I think that's something we're so conscious of too is that often people see what we're doing as alternative to any sort of western healthcare, and and our argument is like no this is complimentary like we're not saying that no one should ever take the birth control pill it's just that we should have more options and we have plenty of um, customers actually who take the birth control, maybe they're using it, the birth control pill, they're maybe using it for contraception or they're trying to ease themselves off of it. Um, and so, I mean, we're, we're open to whatever works for, you know, our individual customers. I think health is such an individual journey. And if something works for someone, whether it's, you know, prescribed by their MD or their naturopath, or they've just heard about it on a podcast, uh, I think we just have to do a better job of all supporting each other. Mm, yeah, I totally agree. And could you like this is this is a mystery that I've been sitting on since kind of I first started on my like endo journey and, and writing about endo and talking about it. Um, so there's some foods um, like soy, for example, that are like known for mimicking estrogen, and mm-hmm. so. Often we're told, and the jury is still out with soy, whether it's helpful, whether it's not helpful. But um, I started taking flax oil 
a while ago because someone told me to take it um, not really for endo for some other issues and then my pain started getting worse and then I started looking into it and um, it seemed due to because the the oil the omega ratio in the flax oil was like I can't remember which one's which off the top of my head right now. I think it's the omega-6 can like, if you've got it and if you're having omega-6 in too high a quantity in comparison to omega-3, it can cause higher inflammation. Um, I think that's the case, but um, no one quote me, <laughs> just double check. Um, but so I, I looked into it and I think that's, that's what I found. It was definitely to do with like the inflammation. And so I stopped taking it and the pain was like gone in a day. But while, so that's like another subject, because I think if I was taking that with um, a higher ratio of the, of omega-3, if that's the right one, then I think it would have been fine. But um, whilst I was looking into this, I, and I was Googling like flax oil, flax seeds and endo, I came across all of these articles saying that flax for endo isn't good because it, mimics estrogen as well but then I've also found articles saying that it's good for endo because something to do with like because it's similar to estrogen excess estrogen like binds to it and then it gets rid of it so and I know you were just saying like flax helps eliminate estrogen excess estrogen am I right and that's what you that's what you were saying yeah so yeah I would love, like, as you've done, like, all the research and, you, you know, you've got the business, these are, like, articles I found online. Like, could you help me understand this and, like, how it works? Because I've been avoiding flax because I thought it was not right for me. Yeah, definitely. It's it's so confusing because there's so many different, um, like, sources of information and really sifting through it online is is can be, you know, a dangerous rabbit hole. And so... I definitely want to preface anything I say with that I'm not a doctor and I'm I'm not also trained as a naturopath or a nutritionist yet. <laughs> um, so definitely. Oh, you study it? Well, we're thinking about, um, Jen and I are both thinking about doing um, a, a definitely a nutrition program um, just because, you know, we're, we're so far into this already. Feel like we want to know everything we can, and it it just be it just be wonderful to do that. But yeah, it's there's definitely a ton of um, information out there, and it can be difficult to sift through, especially with relation to flax. A lot of the things with um, flax is that uh, people think because it's a phytoestrogen that it could be similar to soy, but it works completely different with how the phytoestrogen is broken down by the gut. And so it ends up being an estrogen blocker versus an estrogen promoter, which is what soy is. And so, so the way that the gut breaks down, uh, flaxseed is that, um, it, it basically changes the molecule into something that then can, um, be uh, like um, fill the estrogen receptor in a woman in a woman's body. So it's essentially telling your body that you have enough estrogen because you know all the receptors are filled. And so it's signaling to the brain that it needs to pr- it can now produce less estrogen. Um, and so that's that's kind of how how flaxseed actually works. Yeah. So so interesting. Like this is 
This is fascinating to me because, um, so I don't, I don't know if you know, but women with endometriosis are kind of thought to have estrogen dominance. Um, mm-hmm. And so like there's a lot of the work that I do personally in my, in my body um, is kind of helping my, supporting my liver to detox any excess estrogen um, by the time it comes to, you know, my period. Um, and I've also done like a lot of research. Um, I can't remember her name. There's a brilliant woman. She's a specialist in women's hormone health and she actually um, seems to, I could be wrong, but kind of like specialize in menopause, but also estrogen dominance. And I was looking into the symptoms of estrogen dominance and I was like, wow, firstly, I took every single box. And secondly, there's a really, really big overlap with the symptoms of endo and the symptoms of estrogen dominance. And because endo is fueled by estrogen, and um, ironically, they think that the um, endo patches actually make their own estrogen as well. Um, that like, I wonder if there's like what we think is all endo is actually partially estrogen dominance. So if we were able to stabilize our hormones, for example, with seed sinking, could we not only potentially reduce the rate of our endometriosis growth because it fries off estrogen but could we also reduce those symptoms that we're experiencing from estrogen estrogen dominance that we've mistaken for endo or are the same as endo um so i just think it's fascinating exactly and i think that's um you know estrogen dominance in in the u.s definitely and i'm sure it's similar in the uk is definitely more common amongst women than, you know, estrogen depletion or um, that sort of thing. And actually the seed sinking protocol almost assumes estrogen dominance because... Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because, um, you know, for some women that maybe um, don't have enough estrogen, uh, then flax seed might not be the best thing for them to take. And so always we're really... um, we're always really interested in understanding the symptoms that our um, patients are experiencing. But I mean, in general, it's, it's definitely safe for everyone. Um, But just that, you know, I think that the estrogen dominance is such a big part. And I think that, you know, it's same for a lot of women struggling with PCOS. A lot of their symptoms fall within that estrogen dominance framework as well. And you're thinking, like, are we all being misdiagnosed here? Um, <laughs> but but definitely that's the that's the most interesting thing I found too, is that distinction between the two phytoestrogens, the one found in soy and the one found in flaxseed. And I'll definitely say too that um, flaxseed oil does not work the same as um, flaxseed. Oh, Just okay. I found this myself in our in our practice, and then also speaking with naturopaths and nutritionists. They often, when when um, you know prescribing the seed sinking protocol to their patients, they'll say, "Don't use flaxseed oil. Make sure you're using the flaxseed and grind. You have to grind it." Um, because it's it's in the hull, the lignans of the hull are what are the key mm. element, uh, and so yeah, I think that somehow in the process you lose those when flaxseed oil is made, and that's probably why you're not getting the same experience, or women don't get the same experience using it. Okay, 
Thank you so much for that, because this has been like bothering me so much for about three years. And um, I've not really spoken to anyone who has the answer. So I'm just, yeah, I can eat flax seeds again. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Eat so, them with some pumpkin seeds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I've actually got like, I have pumpkin seeds a lot. So um, I need to, I need to try all of this out. Um, so now we kind of know how seed sinking works. How have you package this up essentially into a food period what what is food period how how does that work yeah so our first product is a set of energy bites which we call moon bites and uh they, they basically take the guesswork out of the sinking protocol um, we deliver a monthly box to a woman two days before her period each month uh, and it contains a 28-day supply of our moon bites so there are two 20-gram moon bites per package, and they're individually packaged. So you can take it with you the same way you would an energy bar or, you know, a granola bar, something like that. It can be your snack of the day. It can be your breakfast. Uh, I had the, mine for breakfast this morning. Um, <laughs> and uh, it essentially contains the correct amount of uh, each of the seeds and they come in two phases so we explain everything when you get your box um, whether you're getting a period regularly or not um, there's a system that you follow if you're getting your period regularly and there's one that you follow if you're not getting your period um, and so you take the first phase for 14 days and then you switch to phase two and you take that one for 14 days and then you restart the whole thing um, when your next cycle starts. And what's in the, because um, I know you guys are really big on ingredients. So what's what's in the moon bites for anyone's like, because there's a lot of stuff with endo that you have to, you, you may have to avoid depending on what triggers you so what's in the moon bites yeah we're really obsessed with only getting the highest quality ingredients you know even if it's more expensive for us we are never compromising when it comes to these and so um each moon bite kind of has four staple ingredients and then we add two or three additional ingredients based on the flavors everything is um everything is plant-based, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, refined sugar-free. And so we, um, the basis for each of them is each Moonbite has the two seeds. Um, so phase one has flax and pumpkin and phase two has sunflower and sesame. Mm -hmm. And then we, we use medjool dates, organic medjool dates or binder. And then we use Himalayan pink salt. Um, and these two are really what are key to making the Moonbite shelf stable. So they last for up to 90 days, completely unrefrigerated, which is awesome. Oh, great. Yeah. And then, um, so we have, we have eight different flavors now, which is crazy. <laughs> it feels like we only had two flavors for the longest time. And we've got, um, some really great women in the kitchen helping us develop flavors. And so, um, for example, you know, we have a vanilla almond flavor where we use, almond and um, fresh vanilla bean and then we have a cacao coconut flavor where we use unsweetened coconut that sounds like my kind of thing <laughs> yeah and then raw cacao powder and we have we ha have a chocolate chip flavor and we actually partner with um, a vancouver company uh, on with their using their chocolate chips and they only sweeten them with coconut sugar and they're really ethical, um, awesome, 
awesome company. And so we're always on the lookout for finding great ingredient suppliers. And so now we're at the stage where women can choose their box. So they choose two flavors for each phase. And so you get to select, you know, maybe you want to choose carrot cake and, you know, the choco chip for phase one. And then you can choose the, we have a choco hazelnut flavor and maybe the cookie monster flavor for phase two. And sounds uh, so good. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the thing. We knew that, um, you know, it it has to be enjoyable for women as well. And we, we really believed that we could do that and make this protocol enjoyable without compromising um, on the ingredient side. And so, yeah, we've, it's taken a lot of, a lot of iterations. We've probably recipe tested over a hundred recipes at this, at this stage. And we're still always working to make things better and more delicious and, but finding the best ingredients and making sure that we're fueling women in only the best way possible is something we're really passionate about. Yeah, no, the ingredients sound amazing. Um, whilst we're like on the subject, what do you know what the um, sugar, like the nutritional information is? Simply because, of course, it's like natural sugar, but some of us with endo, we're quite sensitive to sugar. Um, so I know that like when I'm, I used to eat a lot of dates, but I don't really eat them now because I was trying to minimize my sugar content. And I found that if I had dates around my period my pain was worse um but that's that's when I'm trying to control endo so I wonder if I was like trying these what my response would be because if they were helping to reduce the endo symptoms could that have a impact on the pain in a positive way or would the could the sugar maybe override it for me I mean, what what would your opinion be? And do you know, like, how many dates per ball there might be or something? I can definitely find out the number of dates per ball, but but we actually do have the sugar content for each. And so each package, yeah, each package, we're really cautious about making sure that the sugar levels are below 10 grams for daily serving. Um, And so because also I, I... also believe that, you know, eating as little sugar, um, not as little, I'm not like anti-sugar, but I think natural sugars are great, but I think also it's easy to get carried away and, you know, still be having too much. So every, so each day your package, which has two 20 gram energy bites, um, I think they range as from about like six to nine grams of sugar, depending on which flavor you have. So you can always choose flavors the lower sugar end um oh that's a really good idea yeah yeah and so yeah it's there's definitely lots of options and we wanted to make sure that we could be there and uh, like supportive for women who follow diabetic diets and um because that you know my mom follows a diabetic diet she's not diabetic but um she also has you know hormonal hormonal uh challenges that that she supports that way. And so, yeah, we, we were really conscious about keeping that low and keeping the, the carbs below 15 per daily serving as well as I know some people use that to manage their, um, sugar intake. And so, yeah, that, that's kind of where we're at now. And we're always trying to look for other ingredients that will bind and provide this shelf stability, 
um, that are lower sugar. And so we're looking into figs and we're recipe testing with those right now. I love figs. I love dried figs so much. <laughs> they're so delicious and so underrated. I feel like they're often playing sec- like second fiddle to the medjool mm. date, but hopefully we'll give them a chance to shine. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. I love them, especially covered in like raw chocolate. So good. So for someone who has endometriosis um, and might be sensitive to sugar, would you suggest that they like trial, they trial it like, because do you stick with a protocol, like try it for three months? That's what we always suggest. We say give it at least three months. Often women um, experience the biggest change between months three and four. Uh, so we really want women to kind of understand that it's a long term, a longer term commitment, um, you know, than just trying to to do something for a week or two. And I think one thing that we do, especially now, um, because we are still quite a young company, is that we do work really closely with all of our customers and all, all of the women that we support. And so, you know, if low sugar is a concern for someone, um, you know, we can definitely, sh- we'll definitely share, you know, which flavors have the least sugar and um, some ingredients don't need as many dates, um, to help bind, which is amazing. And so we can kind of help women along that process and yeah, we check in, you know, a couple times a month, we make sure everything's going well. Um, we oh, that's also, so good. Yeah, we also um, are just now implementing a system that, you know, is optional, completely free for our customers, but it allows you to track your symptoms daily. It's actually just a text message service. So you can spend 30 seconds in the morning uh, or whenever you choose to receive your notifications, kind of tracking the symptoms that you're experiencing. And then we provide you with that data at the end of each month. So you understand kind of what symptoms you were reporting day to day and what that looks like in terms of like we do a graphic visualization of it. Um, we provide some qualitative data that you've provided us with. And so that way you can kind of track your experience as well and really understand how you're feeling. Cause sometimes when you're, when you're doing something, you know, you might have one day where it's off and be unsure if that was your experience throughout the entire protocol or if it was just one day. And so, providing women with these tools is something that we're also really excited about doing. And we want to learn from all of our customers as well. And if, you know, the sugar, um, was affecting someone negatively, which is definitely opposite of what we're hoping for, we'll, we'll come up with a solution to make sure that we can find an alternative for that customer. Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds amazing. And I think that with what your, with like the benefits of seed sinking, it could potentially balance those things out. And not everyone is as sensitive as me at all. Mm-hmm. I happen to be a sensitive, um, sensitive soul and body. So <laughs> I just, <laughs> um, I just kind of wanted to, yeah, just kind of ask that question. Um, and in terms of how is like how seed sinking could impact endometriosis, um, Do you have like a more specific idea of that or do we or, you know, is it more general in terms of like it helps balance out hormones and um, helps make things more regular and things like that? Well, 
definitely what you spoke about, about how, you know, endometriosis is thought to be, um, like, you know, impacted by estrogen dominance. Um, that that's kind of like the main thing that seed sinking helps with is that it helps support a woman's body and its natural ability, um, to, to better modulate the production and elimination of estrogen and progesterone. And so I, what we've what we've learned from the naturopaths and nutritionists we work with is that for those suffering with endometriosis or polycystic ovarian syndrome or a chemotherapy induced amenorrhea, um, something that you know requires a little bit more than perhaps just an irregular period. Um, that seed sinking can definitely help with the symptoms experienced, but it's not uh, a standalone. We know, you know, we want to encourage women to take this to their practitioner who they see and say, is this something I can add to my, add to my protocols? Right. Is this something yeah. that I can add to my toolkit? And let's see how it works for me. And I know with, with, some of our early customers, those that have had those that have endometriosis, have experienced an improvement in symptoms, specifically in their um, pelvic pain and cramping around their periods. And so, okay, that's so interesting. Yeah, it's it, it was probably one of the most exciting things for Jen and I to get that feedback and just hear <laughs> that, that, like, oh my gosh, like one of our customers you know, her pain was pretty bad to the point where she was missing class, uh, every month. And, you know, she said by the third and fourth months, there was a kind of that tipping point for her and the pain hasn't subsided completely. Like it's still there. Um, but it's to the point where she can actually leave the house still. And for her, that was, that was the win. And it's, yeah. it's not the, only, it's not the only thing that she'll do for the rest of her life to support her endometriosis and support her body and, going through that. But, um, the fact that she knows she has this in her toolkit, I, I think that's really how we want to share it with women who have endometriosis. It's that it's part of that toolkit. And if, if it helps, like, that's all we want. That's all we want. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to see how this develops and hear from people who have tried who have tried um, your moon bites and I want to try them myself as well because I think it is about combining different whatever works for you really like toolkits um, and just adjusting and tweaking we're all different and, and and endometriosis manifests differently in our bodies like in terms of symptoms so um, yeah I think it's very unique and it's all part of the package to help reduce them um, so I just wanted to touch upon your larger mission um, because it's not just, I mean, actually, I'm not going to explain it. <laughs> I'll let you explain it. Yeah. Can you talk about like your mission and purpose behind Food Period? So our moon bites and seed sinking, we really just see this as the beginning. We want to, you know, really create a great product here around that, but we want to be we want food period to be the go-to resource for everything natural health for women. And we want to make practices and protocols that are used around the world by different cultures um, and communities more accessible 
and uh, convenient to follow as convenient to follow as taking a pill. I think, you know, there are so many great natural solutions for any sort of um, hormonal issue or women's issue out there. And I think just being able to access them and create an easy way for women to access them is what our our goal is with food period. So I think with a lot of natural protocols, it does take a bit more effort. And I think it's good in the sense that it makes us take a more active role in our healthcare. Um, but that often could be a barrier to people. And so I think that providing education in a way that is informative, but also quick <laughs> and simple and really lays it out, lays it out. And then also providing uh, natural products, uh, especially ones that utilize functional nutrition it's going to be another great way that we hope to expand. We just, we really want to find ways to help women that expand the options. It's not about, you know, replacing women or women's um, Western healthcare. It's about really providing complementary uh, options for them and, and giving women more options to choose from. I mean, I'm so excited to see where this takes you. And I, I agree. It's really important that women have, other options other than hormonal birth control which as we both said is like that might be something that they use alongside these options um you know that moon bites and the other products you bring out are complementary to that but having options is so important um so we have to wrap up soon but i wanted to just ask if someone so you do you stock where do you stock? Do you stock worldwide? Do you ship worldwide? Or Yeah, so we actually only sell on our website right now, mm-hmm. um, food, foodperiod.com. And we actually do ship worldwide. So it's been incredible. We now ship to five different countries. And we've actually done no marketing, um, wow. uh, anything like that. Every customer has come to us just through word of mouth, which has been incredible and it's been so exciting to see these women, you know, in different corners of the world finding us. And yeah, it's, it's been such a journey, but we ship anywhere. (laughs) Um, and we're more than happy to, you know, chat, email back and forth, hop on a phone call if there's ever any questions. Okay. That's so, I love that your customer service is just so personal. I think that's missing a lot today. So, um, yeah, thank you for that. Um, so if, so obviously people can get, um, your, um, products anywhere, but if it was slightly out of their budget, um, or they weren't sure about it yet, um, are there some foods that you would recommend implementing into our diets to help stabilize and manage our periods? Mm -hmm. Definitely. I I think that that's one thing that we realize um, could be, you know, a barrier for women is our our box is 68 US dollars a month. Um, And so, you know, as we grow, we'll hopefully be able to bring down that cost. But there are, of course, things that you can do in the meantime. Uh, We have a great blog post actually at foodperiod.com on foods to incorporate into your diet to support Um, your hormonal health, a lot of them are centered around these micronutrients and how do we get them into our bodies. Um, And so I definitely suggest checking that out. 
in general is just probably the easiest way and most affordable way that any of us can affect or influence our own health. I wish I had known at, you know, 20, um, what I know now, uh, and how I now it's just, it feels so empowering to really, um, every day, every meal, be able to support my body and its health. And I think that, um, I, I, you know, I, the more that we help others around us also develop that culture of understanding, you know, what is in this food we're eating? How does it make us feel during? How does it make us feel after the next day? And really kind of having this sense of inquiry um, about how, you know, nutrition and the foods that we put in our body affect how we feel. And not just on a physical level, but also on an emotional and a mental level. Um, I think that's, that's probably the most empowering thing. And the thing that I would recommend the most is just use yourself and different foods and like test things like try, you know, giving up refined sugar for a week and see how, see how that feels. Um, you know, maybe add an extra portion of greens and leafy greens to your meals, to your lunch for a week and see how you feel with that. Um, all these different things. I think it's just about finding what works best for you. There's definitely no one size fits all. As you mentioned too, even with something like endometriosis, you would think that the impact on someone's life would be similar across the board. You know, it's the same, the same condition, but actually it manifests in completely different ways in different people. Um, and so I think that how food affects us is also a very individual thing. Yeah. I, completely agree and especially on the point about um how food is impacting our emotional and mental health because I always find if I have more caffeine or sugar in my diet my anxiety like really creeps up very quickly so I've just and I I just I don't feel I'm tearful I'm just not in a good place (laughs) when I increase those two together so yeah super interesting exactly and then then like understanding those things about yourself, you know, it's so empowering. Like then, you know, when you have a big day, maybe you have a big meeting or a big interview, you know, what tools it's like food becomes a tool for you. And so you're like, okay, if I have a, you know, this, I knew we were going to do this interview. So I said, you know, I'm going to have a matcha tea instead of a black tea, because I also feel the same thing with caffeine. It gives me jitters. (laughs) I feel like having matcha, is a more sustained energy, um, source for me at least. And so, yeah, it becomes this toolkit and it's empowering and you feel like you then aren't at the whim of, um, your emotions or physical being. You're actually the one who's determining how you feel. And I mean, of course this is the ideal and we all live in the real world and things don't always work that way. But, um, I think seeing food as something to help us in a positive thing, um, and something that empowers us to take our hormonal health into our own hands is really, is really what it's all about. Absolutely. Thank you, Britt, so much for coming on. I'm so excited about food period and what the future holds for you guys and how it could impact the endometriosis community and kind of, you know, everyone out there with periods. I really think that you're massively onto something here. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for asking, answering my questions um, and finally answering the mystery about flax because it's been bugging me for so long. So yeah. <laughs> 
thank you oh yeah it's been lovely having you on and hopefully yeah you'll be back in the future definitely thank you thank you bye so that's it um i realized that i signed off for some reason at the beginning of the intro um but i'm signing off now if you enjoyed that episode um and it was insightful interesting helpful um please do like share rate it review it um and you know I never say this but if you could comment like let me know over on Instagram I would love to hear what you think about these episodes I read some of the reviews well I read all of the reviews I don't know why I said some but um it would be so nice to kind of chat to you guys on Instagram um and find out what you think or what you want to know hear more of um anyway if you want to say hi I'm on Instagram at this underscore endolife and I'm also on Facebook at this und- no I'm on Facebook at this endolife with a capital T E and L um if you'd like to join my book club um that's also on Facebook as a group um so you just need to request access for that and you can just search this endolife book club um endolife is one word and book club is one word Thank you so much for listening and being part of this community and also for being patient with me um, getting this podcast episode out and for this echo, echoey sound. Um, Yeah, hoping to change that soon. I hope you have a great two weeks until we speak again and that this episode was really helpful for you. Bye.